Hello. Welcome to Discovering Jazz, where you and I together discover great music, picking up information to keep jazz old and new alive. My name is Larry Sademan, here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, sponsored by Peterborough Independent Podcasters. Last week, I played some tunes in different modes and talked about them. And all modes really are, are scales. So this week, I'll talk about some other scales used frequently in jazz and play a jazz recording demonstrating each one, starting with the bebop seventh scale. The tune is Pent Up House by Sonny Rollins. The trumpet player, Clifford Brown, uses the bebop seventh scale as well as what is referred to as a dominant ninth arpeggio. Here he sharpens the second note of the scale, extending the seven-note scale into a nine-note scale. Here is that nine-note scale. Let's play the whole nine-minute recording, as it's so wonderful, even if you're not interested in hearing about the scales used. Thank you. 
Up House, saxophonist and composer Sonny Rollins with Clifford Brown, trumpet, Max Roach, drums, Ritzy Powell on piano, that's Bud Powell's brother, George Morrow on bass. The trumpet solo in particular illustrates the classic bebop scale. And I'm going to revisit that bebop scale later on in this podcast. One of the most distinctive features of jazz is the use of the blues scale. It distinguishes jazz from most classical music. Jazz has its origin in the blues, and while the blues is most often more of a feeling than a form, the blues form, which may not always have that blues feeling, is an important component of most jazz. The blues scale has only six notes. The root, a flattened third, a fourth, sharp fourth, fifth, and flat seventh, like this. By the way, if you hear seven notes instead of six, it's because I, I uh, repeat the, the root note. That second note and fourth note that I just played are referred to as blue notes. And there are variations of the blues scale, sometimes played in a major key and sometimes in a minor key, and often combined with the bebop scale I talked about earlier. And there is a basic blues chord sequence, again with variations. I'll play two tunes, one as a blues with a minor tonality and the other with a major tonality. Here's Cannonball Adderley and is often played Saka Woe. This version is from a 1975 recording just a few months before he died off an album called Phoenix with Nat Adderley and Cornette, George Duke, keyboards and synthesizers, Sam Jones on bass, Louis Hayes on drums and Erto Moreira on percussion, and of course, the saxophone of Cannonball Adderley.
Cannonball Adderley, Sacco, an example of a tune in a major key that uses a lot of the blues scale. Now for one in a minor key. Senior Blues was written by Horace Silver and first recorded as an instrumental in 1956. It was even a minor hit. Then he wrote words for it, which Chicago singer Bill Henderson sang along with Horace Silver's quintet on a 1958 recording. The tune is in 12-8 time and includes Donald Byrd on trumpet, Junior Cook, tenor sax, Gene Taylor on bass, and Louis Hayes again on drums, Senior Blues. Cali way Senoritas falling for him with the hope that he will stay by the time that they love him Senor Blues done gone away well he's tall and good And he always knows just what to say Yes, he's tall and good looking And he always knows just what to say 
by the time that they love him Saying your blues done gone away I'm a wandering, wandering guy With no one gal to lay my head by Ooh, I'm so tired and lonely and blue Cause the one gal I love won't be true Got the blues and it's all cost of you Got the blues and it's all cost of you Gotta lay my head by. 
Cause the one gal I love won't be true Got the blues and it's all cause of you Got the blues and it's all cause of you Singer Bill Henderson with Horace Silver's Quintet. Next, I want to talk about the diminished scale, which alternates between a whole step and a half step. And it takes incredible concentration to play it when you think of it that way. It's like this. A good music teacher can probably teach you some tricks to make playing this scale a lot easier. I was taught one, and now I forgot it. But our focus here is on how the scale sounds and in finding some compositions that use it. Now the basic diminished seventh chord is pretty easy, and it sounds like this. It's hard to find compositions where the diminished scale or mode is used exclusively, but there are many where they are used either in the composition or in the solos played. But here's one that Scott D. Reeves in his Creative Jazz Improvisation Volume 2 mentions. It's by jazz educator David Baker, and it's called La Miwa Noire. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Thank you. 
Miroir Noir by David Baker. Probably more of an exercise to demonstrate the diminished scale rather than being a fully realized composition. Let's play an actual celebrated composition now where you can hear how this scale might be used in a solo. J.J. Johnson and Aquarius from 1961. Listen to Johnson's trombone solo here about one and a half minutes into the tune.
a lovely tune and a great illustration of the diminished mode or scale, especially on that trombone solo of J.J. Johnson. Also on that recording, called Aquarius, is Cedar Walton on piano, Freddie Hubbard trumpet, Clifford Jordan tenor sax, Arthur Harper on bass, and Tootie Heath drums. Now coming to one of my personal favorite scales, the whole tone scale. It's a scale with only seven notes and a whole tone between each note. No semitones, like this. And the very commonly used augmented chord often suggests a whole tone scale. Here's what it sounds like in a saxophone solo. I'd love to play it all, but it's 27 minutes long. That's a John Coltrane tune called One Up, One Down that uses exclusively a 12-tone scale. Most compositions don't use it exclusively, but incorporate it into the tune or into the solos. And it's one of the scales that I find pretty easy to recognize and identify. Thelonious Monk often used it, and a song that has been recorded at least 800 times, Victor Young's Stella by Starlight. Here's a version from 2002 by the Canadian pianist, born here in Edmonton, John Stetch. And since constant use of the whole tone scale can get tedious, this composition and Stetch's improvisations incorporate it tastefully and in small doses. See if you can hear where it's being used.
John Stetch. Stella by Starlight, a tune that incorporates that whole tone scale in several places within it. How about that so-called bebop scale that I talked about earlier? It's really a variation of what is called the Mixolydian mode. That's the one that forms a dominant seventh chord. This one. And the variation involves adding a note to make it sound more chromatic. It has the flattened seventh and the unflattened or major seventh as well. You can hear it on almost any bebop tune. Here's an example. Charlie Parker's Bongo Bop from 1947. Charlie Parker, with Charlie Parker and alto sax, Miles Davis trumpet, Duke Jordan piano, Tommy Potter bass, and Max Roach drums, an illustration of the bebop scale. Let's talk about two other minor scales, then take you home with one of the million or so tunes that jazz musicians like to play that utilize the most common chord sequence in jazz. But first, 
something that I think most of us who take early piano lessons and are given scales to practice have some familiarity. The harmonic and melodic minor scales. And you can compare these two minor scales with one I talked about last week, the Aeolian mode that starts on the sixth note of the scale, of the major scale. The Aeolian flats the third, sixth, and seventh note. Starting on the C note, that would be the C, D, E flat, F, G, A flat, B flat, back to C. The harmonic minor scale only flattens the sixth note, so you get C, D, E flat, F, G, A flat, B, C, like this. The melodic minor is a minor for the first four notes and a major for the second four, flattening only the third note, like this. When I took piano lessons as a kid, the melodic minor scale I was taught to practice was a melodic minor going up and an Aeolian scale going down, like this. And so many tunes, rather than just using one of those minor scales, end up using all of them. Like this next one, a favorite tune of mine, Don Ray and Jean DePaul's You Don't Know What Love Is. And one of my favorite versions from an album I've listened to a lot from 1998 called There's Beauty in the Rain, Vancouver singer Karen Plato. Here it is. Don't know what love is until you've learned the meaning of the blues, until you've loved a love you've had to lose. You don't. I 
Karen Blato with Ross Taggart on piano, You Don't Know What Love Is, uses various minor scales and switches to a major scale for part of the bridge. So to finish today's program on scales frequently used in jazz, I'll make a bit of a turn and talk about the most commonly used chord sequence, the 2-5-1. And of course, its use isn't restricted to jazz, but it's one that jazz musicians feel most comfortable improvising upon. The two chord, the root being the second note of the scale, is most often a minor chord. Then the five is a dominant seventh, and it resolves into a major seventh chord on the root. So, in the key of C, it would be a D minor, G seventh, and C or C major seventh. I can go through every tune in the jazz real book, and the vast majority would be based on that 2-5-1 sequence. And so often jazz musicians will create a number of variations on that sequence, referred to as chord substitutions. And talking about that would constitute another full episode of this podcast, I'm sure. One very famous jazz classic that is often used as an exercise for jazz students is John Coltrane's Giant Steps, which is based on a number of 2-5-1 chords that keep changing its key or tonal center, and that makes it a very difficult tune to play. 
Let's finish with the original recording of Giant Steps from 1960, an album called Giant Steps, with Coltrane on tenor sax, Tommy Flanagan piano, Paul Chambers bass, and Art Taylor drums. This tune was uh, considered so difficult that the piano player, Tommy Flanagan, having it sprung upon him fairly quickly without any kind of practice and a lot faster than he expected, ended up not doing as great a solo as uh, might have been expected. This is Larry Sadman saying bye for now, inviting you to tune in again next week for more Discovering Jazz. Thank you.